Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby! Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are down in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. In Las Vegas, sometimes places just don't live up to what was promised, you know? And there was a really disappointing place in downtown, Ninopolis. It looks great and so forth, and somehow there were struggles. I know... Uh, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin, talked about it a lot. But alas, there is a change here, and things are looking really good, and we're talking to the man responsible for that, Rohit Joshi. Rohit, what happened? I mean, I, I know for a while here, this was a really kind of a disappointment for downtown, but you've turned it around. What, what happened? Well, I think downtown, in any downtown in the country, uh, there is a little bit of uh, commercial activity, and there are some cities in which there is no commercial activity. I think downtown Las Vegas, because there is a big giant on the strip, which is majority of the hotels are there, about 120,000 rooms are on the strip. Compared to that, only 10,000 rooms are in the downtown Las Vegas area. So there is not enough critical mass of any commercial activity. Therefore, the downtown has never really done well, but that's true throughout the world and in this country, but more so in downtown Las Vegas because there is a, a huge uh, giant sitting there at the Las Vegas Strip. But what happened really is that when uh, three different mayors, you should keep in mind in the uh, latest uh, historic events that happened in downtown Las Vegas, is Jan Jones, who started the whole redevelopment agency. There was no agency called Redevelopment Agency until Jan Jones was the mayor and she created it. And they decided to revitalize downtown to make it better for tourism. Now, locals, the problem is in, in Las Vegas, the suburban area is very, very strong. So all the commercial, retail activity, residential developments are all going into suburban area, and they are very affordable. Thus, there is no reason to come into downtown for residential or commercial. And that kind of left downtown alone for a long time. Jan Jones, the mayor, tried to bring that all back and established the redevelopment agency. Thereafter, it was Oscar Goodman who took it over, and he really diligently worked on it. And his great luck at the end of his uh, term was to bring Zappos into the downtown area, which is a division of Amazon, with about a couple of thousand employees, all millennials. And they, their whole idea and the concept was live, work, play. And I think with that working, which was an old city hall they acquired, and they bought about... Um, hundreds of millions of dollars of properties uh, slightly east of our building, Neonapolis, which is in the center of the entire universe of downtown. And uh, he started putting a lot of money into startup projects, restaurants, bars, uh, technology sector. And I think that started growing immensely since 2011 after the uh, recession. And uh, it just took off. I think that with a cultural corridor, the medical corridor, the legislative corridor, the Fremont Street experience corridor, 
hotel corridor. All these things merged in downtown. Everybody started investing capital. The best thing happened in the last three years is the establishment by Donald Trump of the Opportunity Zone. And that means that people are now investing more money for not paying capital gain tax. So everybody's eyes are in downtown right now for buying or remodeling or creating uh, commercial projects or any mainly commercial projects for capital gain. So we've had now uh, three different offers for the offer uh, for the building for such large amounts that is unfathomable. It is something I never expected uh, pre-Trump era. Although we always had, instead of the opportunity zone, we had enterprise district. And we were offering same kind of incentives for people to come in and invest capital. Other thing is that to grow, what do you grow downtown with? We already have a casino corridor, which is which has about 10,000 rooms, about 17,000 slots, and over 5,000 gaming tables as of right now. Something phenomenal is happening in that in the last year. Our king of downtown today, and it changes every few years, is Derek Stevens. And Derek Stevens started with uh, his investment with his family, his brother and his family, at the Golden Gate. Uh, he bought out, he's 100% owner now, and he's done very well with it. Second was Derek uh, Stevens bought the D, which used to be Fitzgerald, with about 677 rooms, and he's remodeled that and doing better than anybody before him. It was Don uh, Barden that owned that project from Detroit, Michigan, but uh, he was in Detroit and never paid attention here. Uh, third thing he did, he first bought the uh, interest in the Las Vegas 51 baseball team. And uh, thereafter, he also bought the Rivieras, uh, less than 10% of the Riviera Hotel. So he got himself really attuned to what Las Vegas is for the community as well as for the gaming. And the last is he's building now uh, a major project called Circa, sports betting uh, oriented casino with about seven, eight hundred rooms, and he's building some parking garages. It was announced just today morning that he's building a warehouse on Main at Washington, uh, and it's going to be a warehouse for serving all his properties. Uh, and I think so. He's investing his all his capital into downtown. God bless him. And then on the other side of the railroad track, going west of the Fremont, there is a sixty-one acres where he's building another casino. So he, he's got his eyes on downtown and expansion for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, Marriott has signed two hotels on the uh, very close to the other side of the railroad tracks. Uh, the three other casinos are under construction for remodeling right now on Ogden Avenue, which is the Fremont Hotel, the Binion Hotel, which has got a new division called Ap Apache Hotels, and the third one is the Grand Hotel. With all that happening on Ogden, even though the pedestrian traffic is the majority of that is on Fremont Street, vehicular traffic is now on the Ogden Avenue for the next five years. And you will see that, and we are located, and I come back to Neonapolis now, is that we are located on Las Vegas Boulevard, on Fremont and Ogden, which is the highest rated uh, pedestrian traffic and vehicular traffic. So it's a phenomenal site. It's the center of universe for downtown Neonapolis. It wasn't uh, meant to be what it was designed for. I think it opened uh, in 2002, 
It was constructed within year 2000-2001 and it was supposed to be the dumping grounds for the existing casinos because they didn't have any room for retail and other activities because they were older casinos and there just wasn't enough room because the market has changed from gaming into entertainment and attractions and that's something that requires a lot of space. So Jan Jones' idea was to create Neonapolis and say, let's put up all the uh, activities that casinos cannot put because of lack of space. Put that into one building and let's, let's call it the metropolis of neon lights. And therefore the name Neonapolis. Uh, after opening, it was uh, owned by a prudential insurance company. And uh, half of the property was already leased to Jillian's and Ted Mann's theaters. Uh, with those two uh, tenants signed for over 120,000 square feet, it was a half of the uh, building. So he got the loan from Prudential to build this project. His name was Jonathan Snowden, a very close friend of mine. And we were both uh, against each other to develop this property. He won, uh, unfortunately, because uh, after signing these two leases and he finished construction, uh, these two tenants went into bankruptcy. So he had to get out and go. So it just started out with a wrong, false premise of signing tenants that were not capable of enduring their longevity. So with that said, uh, he just left because it was a non-recourse loan, left the city with a parking garage and a uh, project with Prudential, and they called me. They wanted to see, see if I can come back. But instead, I suggested they take some of employees that could re uh, revive this project, and they did. There were two sisters, Shardell Stevens was her name, and she occupied offices here, and she leased everything except that uh, it was a management agreement with all the tenants so that they don't pay rent. We paid them salaries to continue to operate the businesses, and Prudential said that's not our business. It's nobody's business, but that's the only way you could lease in downtown uh, pre-2007. And at that time, uh, there was nobody paying rent. So when I walked in again, a third time to buy the property, I did buy it once, but I had a tenant that was not acceptable to the city and to the uh, law agencies. And because of that, we, I backed off and uh, couldn't do the deal in, for, for this project. And after a year, they came back to me, offered me a better deal. So I bought the property for whatever I can do, create a magic. By the way, I could not create a magic. It was very difficult. Downtowns are difficult. Uh, and this downtown especially uh, was extra difficult for any developer to do anything. Because you know, you've really made some changes here, though. It's vibrant now. I mean, it, it, was it just a matter of getting the right people in? I mean, Gene Woods Racing downstairs. You've, you've got a museum over here. It's kind of exciting. And I've, Woods told me that you've got like 95% of this place rented. Right. And I think what we had to concentrate on was instead of retail, like what Jan Jones had proposed, uh, we changed and wore a different hat, which was primarily food, beverage, entertainment, 
attractions. So we created those four, the pillars of our building, and said, can we concentrate on that? And the reason is because we bought it at a price that we could afford and stay with it for a long time, we could have that luxury of saying, let's uh, just wait and get the right thematic approach to what the project should be and convert it into something could be a success story that could be repeated all over the country in urban settings. So first thing we did was the food and beverage. If you see the front of Fremont Street, we got Denny's and the Heart Attack Grill, the couscous, a Mediterranean alternative, and a Mexican, Asian, and uh, Italian food court uh, by International Eatery. Those food, food purveyors, four of them, are doing so well that it pays off in rent all my expenses, which really surprised me because it is not just the minimum rent, but also the percentage rent of whatever they sell. In addition, we've got a phenomenal brewery for the millennials, a craft brewery, and they've got a couple of drinks. One is called jalapeno beer. Another is called watermelon beer, which has become a very famous staple for the millennials in downtown and on the social media. And I think that's the key. Social media started buzzing with this project called Neonapolis. And that brought more uh, attention to our project. And in that, we've got two tenants who are television celebrities from the Pawn Stars, Rika Harrison, who created this phenomenal project on television, his toy appraiser and sports appraiser became our tenants who are rock stars because everybody who comes to see Rick Harrison's Pawn Star, and we met him, and I created a project uh, with uh, Rick and with my two tenants to create a bus service between Rick Harrison, Rick Dale, and Neonapolis. And by doing that, we are getting 600 to 1,000 people a day uh, in buses, and they are people waiting in line almost so many hours every day. Any day of the year you walk in, there is that many people walking in to get their photograph taken with my tenant, and they take their autographs. And I think, and of course, they buy merchandise, which pays me the rent. So it all works out because of that. Then we created this little thing called Axe Hole, a Canadian girl who wanted to throw axes at a target, and she created this project for corporate meetings in which the employees will put the boss's photograph on the target and throw axes at it, and it became very popular. Her, She's doing some phenomenal corporate events for Amazon, uh, the various gaming companies, and she's making more money in corporate deals than even walk-in traffic. And her social media also buzzes Again, remember, Fremont Street attracts about 24 million visitors a year, which translates to about 120,000 people a day. The question about the retailer is, how do I bring those people into my doors? And the more creative, more of a genius marketing tenants there are, or we offer, the project succeeds and the tenants succeed. Next one was a marijuana museum. Uh, We created one, unfortunately, because the zoning would not permit a consumption lounge or a dispensary, we had to let that particular attraction go. But we do have a fine arts museum which brings all the uh, elite demographics of Henderson, North Las Vegas, and Summerlin to our doorsteps, to our project for the events that they create. We also have movie theaters, about 87,000 square feet worth, uh, 14 screens, 
But again, remember, movies are not doing well anywhere in the world because of downloading into your smartphones or your iPads or any computer. And as such, uh, that business is on diminishing returns right now for the last five years. So what we decided to do instead of a theaters is to do live productions with an agency called Best Agency. And they have various uh, residencies signed up already for their theaters. They are opening in uh, October of this year. Uh, the liquor license is going to be issued with a conditional use permit by the city on October 20th or thereabouts. So once that opens up on the third floor, uh, second floor is all about nightclubs. We thought that we should have nightclubs which are competing so heavily on the strip, doing anywhere between 14 to 20 million all the way to 90 to 120 million. Uh, and there are 22 nightclubs on the strip, uh, four or five of them in the suburban area, but there is none in downtown. So as such, we decided to create a whole floor of nightclub. First one was a millennial nightclub called Nerd. Uh, I wanted to call it Geeks, but my tenant decided to create a nerd. But it was very similar, so we all agreed. And it's doing very well. He's been here for two and a half, three years now already. And he also owns a uh, zip line at the Rio Hotel, so he has a great experience of the strip attraction as well as here. Same gentleman is pulling up a attraction on the top of our roof called Arodium, which is a glass-enclosed about three level high where you can fly in the air inside the tube. And it's a very popular in a lot, lot of malls throughout the world. And he's bringing that here. Second thing he's done, uh, we have done, is that we are putting a new attraction called a Polar Coaster, which is a roller coaster, but it goes vertical. It's 380 feet at the cost of 120 million. Uh, we have signed a deal with the owner and uh, he's going to be here in the next year and a half to two years. The, they're manufacturing the unit right now as we speak for his first project in Orlando, Florida. And thereafter he opens with us. So those are the two major attractions on the roof. Theaters are doing well. The Nerd, after Nerd's opening, we also uh, brought in a friend of mine who has been with me for over 22 years, uh, Harry Money of the a company called Deja Vu, adult nightclubs, even though it's a sin city in Las Vegas, we don't allow it. So as such, he has created a non-sex clubs for his son. And one of them is in New Orleans called Cat's Meow, which is a karaoke club. He's opened up at 12,000 square feet. He's opening another one called ODs for overdosed, uh, uh, in remembrance of those who made mistakes and overdosed on liquor and uh, drugs and to educate those customer base to control everything. And he's going to bring two, three other projects. He's right now in purchase mode of a major uh, restaurant chain. So he wants to bring that to our project. We also have Gene Woods, who is a friend of mine. And he's been trying to come here for over a dozen years into our building and downtown. But, but something told me that it's not for me because those go-karts were gas uh, fueled and we didn't know and the smell and the uh, sound was unbearable so we didn't want to do it here at Neonapolis uh, but then he changed it to electric go-karts and it, it goes at a very high speed and he himself is very well known in the racing industry so we worked out a deal he has invested a lot of money of his own he built a track himself 
and he just opened about two weeks ago, and he's very happy with the result up to date. You know, Joshi, I'm listening to you, and I'm getting excited. And I think it, you mentioned Derek Stevens before. You, men- you mentioned uh, Zappos. You're right in there with that. It, it's a different way of thinking, and that's why I think while the strip has kind of been flat for a while, downtown, and again, uh, as you mentioned before, it's a much smaller portion of the economy, but you guys are on a roll and it makes sense. It's just kind of, you just approach this where you had to think differently from what had been done in the past, you know, going back into the 20th century. For sure. And you know something, one thing we cannot forget is the city of Las Vegas. And what they've done is created an innovation center for the whole downtown area to bring new ideas. Uh, They are expanding into technology that no other city can match. They've employed Uh, very good people from Google and other major companies for downtown to explode into innovation. So I believe that they are forward-thinking. They've done a lot of work. They've planted the right seeds. And I think we have to just wait, keep working with the city and their uh, dreams of grandeur and whatever they want to do. On the Strip, because it's worthwhile for people... I think downtown has become kind of a must-visit now, whereas before, you know, you just you played around and you stayed on the Strip. Hey... People that are staying there, that's all great, but they need to spend at least a day out here, maybe more. Sure, and I think it's a good idea you had. Uh, some of my tenants already have done it to make a relationship with the concierge in major hotels of MGM, uh, Caesars, the Wynn, and the Adelsons. But when you, for example, the, we had a, one of the largest gay clubs, Crave and Drink and Drag, in our building uh, during the recession period. And Zappo was, by the way, the partnership with those clubs. And they went to the strip with the concierge and created a a, a cooperative relationship because there was no venue for the LGBTQ community community on the strip. We were the first one to create it. So they wanted to have their customers for that experience to be at Neonapolis. So yes, for a specific tenant, they themselves create the collateralized relationship with casino owners on uh, bringing that customer base here and we take our customer base there. Sometimes the place that's suffering the most is the place where you can really make a difference. And this is really, if you looked at a map, this is dead center of downtown and as downtown continues to explode and you kind of thinking out of the box, this has to look really good for the next 10, 20 years and so forth. I think you're totally right. When I first purchased the property, I only saw the building on the first floor from the breezeway of Las Vegas Boulevard. I never went inside the project. And I just bought it because of one simple reason, location. It was Las Vegas Boulevard at Fremont Street. Anything you can buy, uh, you go to uh, 42nd and uh, Park Avenue in Manhattan, you can go better than that in the world. Or if you go to Ginza Street uh, in uh, in uh, Tokyo, you can't get better than that anywhere in the world or Bond Street in London and so forth. So I think that when you come to downtown Las Vegas, it is the location, the Fremont at Las Vegas Boulevard. But now, as I said earlier, the other streets are becoming important, the Fourth and the Ogden. So I think we are uh, really in a right location at the right time with the right demographics of millennials entering the market. And the future looks good now because if we are successful in putting some of the better attractions, uh, entertainment venues, food and beverage menus. And believe me, we have tried. When the Food Channel became available on television by clicking it, we went to Food Channel. We talked to all the chefs. We tried to bring them in. Nobody wanted to come to downtown. 
after Zappos came in, everything changed. Because yeah. he was the guy who says, I'll put up the money where Joshi won't put it up. <laughs> so Zappos put up all the money because he's a startup guy. They understand startups. We are old, has-been developers. We don't believe in startups. We want tenant to put up the money. And by the way, we have not put up any capital whatsoever, even a dollar, towards any tenant with 97% leased. They have themselves put up their money because I've always believed if you have your skin in the deal, you'll always sustain and you will survive. And I think the same thing with me. If you don't have your own capital uh, in the recession time, I would have folded up, given it to the lender and go back home. So that's what it's all about. But you really get marketing. I mean, you were, I'm going to call you the Mr. Selfridge of, uh, you know, who's famous, of course, in London coming in. And just changing the way they do business. And, you know, it's, it's funny. In this town, one of the frustrations Las Vegas had their great marketing, but they've had trouble with millennials. But you seem to kind of be capturing that and finding a way to get these people in, again, by doing things a little differently than have been done in Vegas before. And I think that's what uh, developers are doing now all over the world. All the malls are dying right now, the retail malls with the Macy's and the Sears Pennies and Dillard's and uh, whatever the department stores, including Nordstrom's now or Bonnevet Teller or Lords and Taylor. All of them are going on online and they can't figure out how to bring people in the malls. In this town, I have been going to malls every weekend, sitting, trying to understand what happened because I grew up in the growth of those shopping malls. And it's really sad to see that on a Saturday, Sunday at prime time of shopping, you see more floor than the feet. There are no, no people coming to these malls. I mean, totally vacated. There are no customers. And if you go to any department stores, there are more employees than customers. And I think they're all available. They're all trying to figure out what to do. And I think we are in the forefront right now that if you go through these four pillars of food, beverage, attractions, and entertainment, you may be able to survive, sustain, and succeed. I think that you can do all that. And if we are successful, what I think I plan to do is that we could teach all the cities of downtown and the urban decaying cores to say there is a chance for the creating a very sophisticated project with these elements plus if you can get into the LGBTQ and the museum and the art and all that, combine it. The problem with all those things are, like the art and the culture and so forth, there's no money in it. Yeah. You've got to combine those things with those that make money, and somehow you have a successful recipe. But I thank you very much for this interview. And anything that I can help you with regarding downtown or Niena, please, I'm your guest. You've been listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast with new shows loaded twice weekly. Got a guest idea? Email us at info at VegasNeverSleeps.com and catch the show live every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, coast to coast on the BizTalk radio network.